Welcome to 2212, a podcast home where my siblings and I catch up and connect on culture, life, and family. If you need a reason to remember to call your siblings more often, then this podcast is for you. We record over the internet, so there can be a few connectivity issues that you can hear. Don't worry, we work hard to keep enough context so you don't miss anything. Thanks for listening. Boogie Yo, yo. Yo. <laughs> Hi. What's up? Hola. How are y'all doing? Doing good. Good. I'm recording Did this from the laundry room. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it isn't hot. No, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's downstairs, so in the, in the basement, which is quite warm. But Karima is working in her room, and I can't go upstairs because wherever I go, the kids will, the kids will, yeah, yeah. So there'll be, <laughs> there'll be some interruptions. I mean, next time we should have them on as guests, get their thoughts <laughs> on what's Maybe. going on. All right, hi guys. Hello. Hi. Hello. How y'all doing? How y'all doing? <laughs> I'm just over here chilling. So you want to kick us off with telling us how you are. What's going on in the NYC streets? Uh, fireworks. That's what's going on in the <laughs> NYC streets. Fireworks on fireworks. <laughs> <laughs> Yesterday, it was like uh, just driving uh, back into the city from Connecticut. It was like you know, like just if you went over, like in a place where it was a little elevated and you could see houses and, uh, you know, like trees, mm. you could just see like a bunch of fireworks over each area. <laughs> and I was like, I've never really seen that before. Oh my! Um, you know, like since I've lived here. Also, I haven't lived in New York for July fourth, but um, just you know, anyway, I've never really seen that. Like just. It was like the whole city mm. was just covered, or the whole, you know, all the suburbs covered in fireworks. Um, yeah, I didn't actually know that people were really out here letting out fireworks unregulated like that. In I the, don't know if it's unregulated, in New York. but it, I don't know. Yeah, it seems like is it even yes, like last night till two a.m. There were fireworks over this building that's behind my window. So you know, but. But oh, is this how it always is? It That's the thing. Like it really hasn't. Uh, no, I haven't. That hasn't been my experience. Um, it was never really like this um, in in the past. So I, I don't know what. Uh, but then again, also this is the first time in in quite a bit that New York that um, first of all, it's the first time that it's fallen on a weekend in a, quite some time. So in previous times, you would have mm-hmm. work the next day. But then again, that doesn't really explain why the fireworks have been going on for the last month. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know. There's something about this year because it's never been like this. And I think most people who live here will tell mm-hmm. you that like it's never been this kind of this pervasive. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so, mm-hmm. yeah, so I don't, I I mean, don't know. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. People have nothing or yeah, nothing else to do. So, Right, right. But, yeah. you know, yeah. it's it's fine, actually. I mean, so that's one, like, just remarkable thing. But um, mm. but other than that, like, I am fine. I've been, you know, working and moving and just trying to 
all my online time is spent looking at furniture and not really knowing what I really want <laughs> to buy and um, just connecting decisions to other decisions. I'm like, oh, if I buy this chair, it has to match some mm-hmm. future thing that I haven't bought or thought about yet and just... <laughs> <laughs> What about the interior design person that you wanted to Yeah, get? I've got it. Um, so, yeah. So, hopefully, they'll oh. save me for myself and just <laughs> help me put, put a look together. And I can actually start buying things. Mm. So, yeah, that's good. Also, yesterday for July 4th, I went with um, with one of our aunts to uh, like this really nice house um, in, in Connecticut. Mm. So, I, I really love the house. And... Um, Oh, the people you went to see, do they primarily live in New York? They do, they do. Okay. Mm. Oh, nice. So. That's fun. Yeah, it was a good good time, good people, you know, good conversation. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was fun. Are you enjoying your new apartment? I am. I am, you know, I just, I made my bed last week. <laughs> so I've been able to sleep on a, an actual bed. Um... And it's a really nice size. I think, I mean, it's, it's, it feels so much bigger than my previous apartment. So, um, mm. I'm glad. Uh, I really, I'm just spending time, like, trying to throw unnecessary things away. And it's yes, Marie Kondo, your life. Right, yeah, Marie Kondo. It, 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 I mean, I, can, <laughs> I, I don't think I could ever be a full, you know, minimalist. Because I just feel like I need so many things, like... <laughs> One day, one day, I'm just gonna be like, see, you needed to attach this to the wall, and you, you know, that's that, and oh you threw that thing away. <laughs> you know, the ironic thing, I think you get that from daddy because the other day, when that he went to this moment, he was making sausages from scratch because <laughs> you know, we got him the sausage maker for his birthday. <laughs> oh, oh, yes, yes, I like, but as he was making the sausages, he was like, I need a chopstick, and I was like. How you gonna say that casual like <laughs> we're we gonna get some <laughs> and he's like you know to move the meat along the kitchen you had all this anyway I was like don't have chopsticks like we have to figure out something else and we kind of wrangled something else but then as I was looking the same day I was looking through the house for something else and I literally saw like four chopsticks just chilling in there like study where their office is <laughs> and I was like that's probably what his spirit was telling him like there are chopsticks somewhere in the house. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not wrong. Sometimes things come in handy, right? You just need this. You keep <laughs> anyway. But how do you have trouble throwing things away, like in general? Not really. I think I also had to kind of learn because I moved so often in New York. I've kind of had to mm-hmm. live uh, lightly. But that is that's changed a bit since I moved into my uh, my current apartment, which was is now two years ago. So I've start, I've accumulated things. But I think mm. I would have no problem throwing them out when I left, you know. So um, so I can't, I can't really, okay. have, I can't really, you know, you know, live, you know, with a lot of baggage. Mm. <laughs> so um, that's why. And also in general, I think I've also, you know, just building reference points from people. I think I've um, learned that you know I don't want to be bogged down with stuff. You know, things are kind of like just like the accumulation of stuff is kind of like a almost like a trap you know you just feel like oh i mm. should have this and then you end up not using it. it's almost like you know thinking about like when people who buy a treadmill and then they never use it you know so it's just this white elephant mm. in there. so i i think i've also just kind of 
wanted to like oh I've I've come to want to live relatively lightly. So um yeah, mm-hmm. that's that, that's um that's kind of been my approach to things. Also, one good thing is that I've always moved into apartments, except for this one, where there was already an existing tenant, so I didn't have to really buy, you know, pots and pans and plates and things like that. So that was all things I didn't have to move with. And, you know, mm. that's, I guess that's, that's more of a loaded decision, you know, whether, you know, kitchen, mm. kitchen stuff, because it's always once in a blue moon. And also helps that I don't, mm. I don't, I don't cook very complex things. So, <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah. So I haven't really found that. But um, I mean, now that now that I have, like I said, I had to accumulate some things. I will have to make some decisions. But it will be if I think I will use it in the next place, I'll keep it. If I if it's like oh, you know, mm. I haven't used this since the, the whole time I've been here, and oh, perhaps I'll use it in this next place. Unless there's something. I know I'm going to start doing I I will probably just, you know, throw it away. So yeah. I think that's fair. I do like having um books. So I've made I've actually bought more books since since I moved to my last apartment. Mm. So that's something heavy that has been going mm. around, you know. So yeah. been around with me. And then yeah. the second part is like I have a bunch of um stuff for like sewing and crafts and that's that's the bulk of my <laughs> why are you laughing because you're just sewing and crap crafts crafts <laughs> like... oh crap <laughs> i was like damn i thought you liked no sewing. no like sewing and crafts <laughs> I thought you got an angry sewing no no so damn. like i have a whole suitcase of fabric and that's the thing with crafts is like when I, you know, like, yes, I do have some chopsticks that I used to push things into the, into the things mm. I make. And, you know, I have all kinds of thread and just pieces of things that I think I might use because, you know, crafting mm. is unpredictable. My next thing is just figure out how to organize it. And um, then, you know, again, mm. still just try to get rid of things I, I'm not using. Um, funny enough, um, I actually asked... Um... But for the same reason that I was like so interested in get, been buying so many books, but I was just like I don't have anywhere to put them, and I don't want to, you know, just be piling them up. So I asked Karima for a Kindle for my birthday, and she got me one. So uh, asked them, yeah, um, uh, my girlfriend Karima. So, <laughs> so that's um what that's uh, the one <laughs> that yeah that's indicative of the I guess the steps I take to <laughs> to live like. <laughs> To go to be minimalist. How about you, books? Do you feel like you take steps to live a light mm. life? To be honest, I think I felt homeless for a few years. Let me not be honest. So, like, the way I like evaluate the stuff that I have is very. Um, I'm always willing to throw out everything, which is very drastic. I know, <laughs> but like. Like, if right now somebody was, like, walk out of here and take nothing with you, I might only take my iPad because, I mean, <laughs> come on. <laughs> you know what I mean? But that, I think I'd be more than willing to just walk out and start over. Um, so, anytime I'm cleaning through my stuff, like, I just moved from the room downstairs, upstairs, and there was so much stuff that I was just like, can I just throw all of it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I had to, like, talk myself into, like, no, you have to go through it. But there's so much stuff that, like, I don't, I'm not even sure why I I might still have them. And I do this every time I, you know, I have to move things or do whatever. Like, I evaluate the stuff I have. And because the person that I am tends to evolve 
rather quickly. Like, I can be going to a phase where I'm only wearing Ankara dresses, so I'm willing to throw out all my jeans, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. then the next time I go to where I'm wearing jeans, the jeans, like, I just buy jeans of that moment and move on. You know what I mean? Like, I'm more than willing to throw out the jeans of right now. So, it's, um, it's not hard for me to throw stuff out. It is hard. I actually realize that I have a lot of stuff that's like little knickknacks for like remembering specific moments. Like I have a lot of wristbands from events, which is random, you know. Like so, but I have, but those things tend to be kind of small. Or I I try to collect you know smallish things. Yeah. So they are like you know there'll be some weird like bag full of like random stuff like just. But that bag would have followed me. Somewhere probably I've seen me travel with this, bring it to her house, take it back to me. She lives like, <laughs> like random stuff that I carry around. But besides that, I don't have a specific attachment to like the thing, you know what I mean? The things around me. I'm always, like Tom said, if you buy, like if I buy a quality thing that I like, then I stick with it until it's no longer the thing and then I move on to something else. But, yeah. You know, it's not a gut wrenching decision to let things go for me. So okay, I, mean, I probably yeah, the yeah. audience of 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 the of both of us. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, because I just you know, to be clear, everyone, she said the horde DS. <laughs> Never forget this when we're moving from Lagos. Oh my god! And we were all like so excited moving. I somebody like somebody opened a suitcase, and the first thing she put in was like. Some like actual okay that our like grandmother had and like pictures. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> I was like, what is she packing? Like I, I literally put on like a skirt and a tank job and I was like, I'm packed, I'm done, I'm ready to go. <laughs> I was like, and then this is mommy's coat from the eighties. She might want that. And she really brought all this. She's probably the only reason we have pictures from our youth. Daddy, I would have probably just walked out. Like, right? You know, I still have those pictures in a trunk in my... Uh, here, actually. It's by my bed right now. You see? Yeah, family historian. We saved all of our lives. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. So how are you guys Anything. doing outside of, you know, your views on holding? <laughs> so, what have you been up to? How's Michigan life? It's good. So I'm here... Um visiting my girlfriend and her family just uh staying just uh working from here since we've been working from home anyway so it's been good to get out of the city um again and just yeah. kind of um yeah experience something different but um yeah apart from that i'm just you know kind of i, I feel like for a while it's just been like going through the motions like you know, just like you get up you know you work go to the work day and and at least when I was in New York, you get up, go to the work day, you know, make dinner, maybe take a short walk mm. just so you, just so you left the house at least once in the day, and then come back home and sleep. So it's it is uh, getting quite repetitive. But then again, you know, life even when we were in the office was repetitive. So I don't even know. Maybe it's just this is just the malaise of the working. <laughs> of the working American, but um, but uh, I mean, for overall, it's just been um, it's just been I uh, nothing, nothing particularly eventful, but um, just uh, on Friday we had kind of a bit of a celebration for uh, my girlfriend's birthday as well as her mom's um friend's birthday, who was on actually on July fourth, July third. So um, that was fun. We had um, our, 
uh, a cousin who lives, uh, who turns out to live not too far from um, the, their house in Michigan. He he came over with his two children. So, how, oh, so okay. it was good to hang out with all, all of them. And, um, you know, mm-hmm. it's always nice and gives you some perspective. So, um, yeah, <laughs> all in all, it's been it's been good and relaxing. So, I can't complain. Uh, hopefully, when I come back to New York, things will be slightly more open so I can actually start spending my money on experiences again instead of just online shopping. So, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, yeah. But that's been about it for me. Um, How about you, Book? Yeah. Sorry, what were you saying, Togba? Oh, I was going to say, this is... Uh, Car- I think we haven't introduced Karima on the podcast before. I don't know if we did, but, you know, this is like... All right, debut, Alisa Names debut. <laughs> Abby, podcast. Is, um, <laughs> so, I was just... have, um, you know how when you're listening to something like there is um like a sound effect that comes in every time the thing is mentioned. Right. We should have something like Arima every time we say her name. <laughs> <laughs> I will. We should do that. <laughs> we should. We should um. I should ask her in the in the aftermath of this. I should ask her if she actually wants her name. So on the chance she doesn't, if you hear any like just bleeps, that would be why. (laughs) (laughs) I know, right? Just bleep it out. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Yes, you should definitely ask her before we put her out. Mm -hmm. I mean, do you know how many people listen to our podcast besides us? Maybe our parents. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, yeah. Who knows? They may not want to, you know, we may not want to expose it to them. <laughs> well, you know then, what I mean? You may not want to tell them. The NSA dude that uh, also listening, <laughs> our, our loyal listener, the NSA, he, he <laughs> might, I don't want to. Your individually assigned NSA agents are different. But then again, he doesn't care about the bleeps because he's already just tapped into right? the right. phone call. So. <laughs> he already knew about Kareema. You don't need to worry about that. <laughs> he's like, One of these days, we're going to catch him slipping and he's just going to be like, oh, um, he's just going to be like, oh, that's funny. And we're just going to be like, wait, who was that? <laughs> You're funny. <laughs> I was going to ask you, you said about your malaise. Have you ever thought about taking up like crafting or something creative to like spark your? I have some supplies you for know. you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, get you started. Start a kit. Yeah. Have you ever or singing or playing an instrument, anything like. I think I think an instrument is probably what I would. I think I would enjoy like picking up maybe the key, the keyboard or the drums. As far as uh, creative, uh, like um, more creative, like I guess with like painting or some so, some other medium, mm-hmm. I'm not sure that that's ever um, really been something that you know come to me. And also, if it's something that I would be doing on my in my spare time, I figure it should be something that you know kind of is sparked in my mind, you know, as opposed to me trying to you know force mm-hmm. myself. So. And given that you you both have creative pursuits, it's not like I haven't been exposed to it. So I think I was I I probably just um you know stick to something that I has been sparked in my eyes. But I have been um considering trying to pick up the keyboard. But also, I'm not sure. Given what we just said, um, I'm not sure. I I'll probably be moving in a year. So I've I'll actually kind of put on pause a lot of my accumulation because I don't want to have to move a lot of stuff. Mm. You know, so um, mm. so I think I, that'll probably wait. But as of now, I've, I've all I'm kind of also um just like 
trying to read a lot more on on history and you know all the classic books that I know I've um that that um perhaps I didn't read before like you know the Iliad or something like that that's part of the reason why I wanted the Kindle because I don't want to be carrying around a a thousand page book you know yeah. so mm. so things like that just historical reading which has always sparked my interest I'm trying to like you know really uh really dive deep into that so so that's um mm. yeah kind of that for me um yeah. but yeah I'm not opposed to you know discovering more inter- interest but that's just um what has what has sparked mine so far mm. Mm. yeah he'd be good at like the drums yeah yeah when I have yeah. when I don't have a roommate <laughs> you can get it, I mean, like, I don't. I mean, you can train, and if you get it, like a teacher, they probably have drums you can start on. Even if you still got to jump out and like buy your own drums before you. you That's know, true. You know what? But in due time, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, That's nice. What have you been mm-hmm. up to, Bookie? Girl. Not a damn thing. <laughs> um, I've been, what have I been doing? Mostly painting. Oh, so I started taking this class on Coursera called um, Post-War a- Abstract Expressionism. Mm-hmm. And it's done by like the Museum of Modern Art in New York. So they go through like different artists and their forms of abstract expressionism. So that's been really interesting to see. Mm-hmm. Um some like American, very specifically American artists and how they created abstract expressions. And um, so that's been, and they give you like, you, like assignments that you can try out the different techniques and stuff. So that's been fun. I've been trying a few of them out. Some of them are really complex. And I'm like, I don't know if I'm really going to, you know, Jackson Pollock was very expressive in his throwing of paints and stuff. Like, I don't have people. <laughs> <laughs> But it's been nice to see like different kinds of artists and just kind of like, the context that they lived in and the art that they created out of that context. There's this guy who, and I do not remember his name right now, but his goal was to paint, like to create a painting that had nothing to do with human expression, mm. right? So, it wasn't about emotion. It wasn't about like an intellectual need to explain something. It wasn't trying to depict any kind of human condition. It was just a creation of the moment. That's what he kept trying to get yeah. to. And by the time he died, what he had, um, I think his last name was Reinhold Ad, or I can't remember. Anyway, what he had like gotten to was like, there's this painting, I think that's a MoMA that is, it looks all black, but it's actually three shades of black in nine squares. So it's like three by three, you know, on this mm-hmm. thing. And the the four corners are one color. The top, middle, bottom, middle are one color. And then the whole middle section is another color, which is so the black is mixed in with like red and something. Mm. But the way he mixed the black was so, like he was trying to get it to be matte. So he, he had this whole process of like removing the glossiness and stuff out of the paint. So by the time he painted it, nothing reflects, no light, nothing mm. in, in the color. And he was just trying to get you to start painting just a black square. 
But if you stand, you have to stand in front of it for some time before you start seeing the flecks of green and flecks oh, okay. blue that there. And that his whole thing was like, if you stand in front of it long enough, right, you stop caring about kind of what color it is, and you're just just kind of you and you in front of this thing, and you're like, what am I seeing mm. here? Which I was like, damn, so. <laughs> So that kind of blew my mind a bit. Just kind of like the power of like the power of art because I've been doing so I've been creating this this series recently in the last three months called a typical psychology, mm. and it's kind of trying to it's just trying to hone. You know, we talked about this thing about how like our cultures create your psychology in different ways. The things you expect out of people, the things you understand people. Yeah, just well created by all these different things. And, you know, people like to use the word normal to kind of, like, pin you to mm-hmm. something. Yeah. But nobody's really normal. Everybody is out here struggling with whatever they're struggling with, right? Watching these abstract expressionist people, it, I kept getting kind of, like, this understanding that, like, you have to have faith in your audience that they will spend the time to, like, you know, like, not to shout and get their attention. Right, right. Right? Yeah, like, yeah. You don't have faith in them to know what they want enough to stand in front of your painting. You're never going to be, you're never going to stop shouting. Like, like, there's not going to be a point. And so it's like, you have to figure out if you're really, like, be willing to let the people who walk past it walk past it because they were never going to hear what you were saying. That's kind of what I've been struggling or working with. I'm like trying to figure out and like, it still feels very loud, I won't lie, but we're only working (laughs) for That's cool. You know. Yeah, that I think that's that cool that you're trying something new and um something that's challenging, you know. Especially as mm. you found, you know, so you continue to improve. That's like pushing yourself into a place where you're kind of I guess not maybe not starting at square one, but you know, you're not as accomplished as you are in, in other forms of um of mm. art artistry. So mm. it's been good. No, I said I I see it as um sort of a maturity in your in you know sort of your evolution as an artist, like you know having some some pieces be um like it is clear to see like okay what you know some of the title pieces that you have done it's clear to see why you titled them Mm. or what you know why like what you're trying to express in them. And um, mm-hmm. moving to this, like, way, I think, or this, you know, just understanding more about this um, abstract expressionism will help, mm-hmm. uh, I think, will help you send the broader message that you, you know, you sometimes are trying to send. I think I was struggling, or I've been struggling with trying to figure out who my audience is, or if I'm even painting for an audience, right? Because... Let's even say that I've come to the point where I accept that the painting is the thing that I, you know, want to do. Does that mean that it needs to have an audience to make it, you know, worthwhile, I guess is the word. And, like, because, like, painting in Nigeria, for example, is difficult because people, I don't know, especially when you're from here, people tend to expect you to be a specific kind of way or they project a series of things on you because they kind of assume that they know some some of you, like what yeah. you can kind of be. Mm. So, you know, to convince them that that's not the case is a lot of work. 
and a lot of people are really willing to do that work. So I don't I don't have a lot of bandwidth for human interaction. So it's not like I can sit down and talk to everybody and then they'll learn to get to know me and then they get to know my art, which is how a lot of people get people to buy their art or to engage with their artists. They get to know the artist, they get into their head and then they're like, Okay, I get that and then they buy pieces or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, all these things, this is what I spend my day doing, obviously. Right, right. I, <laughs> Just all these like I don't think, uh, and um, you know, in your in, in your finding out, you may, um, I mean, you can just think about it. But my thought is really, um, for the art, the best thing that you can do is uh, stay true to your message. Yeah, we tend to agree. Yeah, uh, well, you know, it might be, it might like connect with them. That's a, a separate challenge. You know, I feel like it will. People yeah. are so limited in their engaging and in their understanding of things that if you try to cater yeah. to them, or not cater, but just take them into consideration, it limits. Yeah, yeah. It, it limits. You know, you start to think of and think you have. You know, you have the things that you want to say. You have the things that you are studying. Yeah, I would tend to agree because on many fronts. Because uh, first of all, I think. Um, you know, it's like um, for art, it's kind of line of work that's inherently supposed to be, you know, pushing the boundaries. Um, a quote from like Henry Ford comes to mind where he's like, if I asked people what they want, they would have told me they want a faster horse. So, if, <laughs> so, so, relative, <laughs> so relative to that, you know, people, especially with art, think that something that's so subjective, you know, and people and more yeah. practically, I guess the part, a lot of the you know cachet of artists is, de- is derived from their lack of you know caring what people want from them. You know, and is if you you know if you are someone who's chasing if like an artist who's chasing the approval is is almost like you know someone who you're like you know you like wait should I even like them are they or you know people like mm-hmm. that the enigma- enigmatic people so even more practically they're kind of more true to your your story or yourself, you know, what you're trying to do, you'll be more successful. And also, It's all kind of a self-awareness exercise more than a, you know, I'm creating it for them exercise. Fair enough. That makes sense. That makes sense. I mean, yeah, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, part of the thing is the exclusivity and the, like, oh, you don't really care about my feelings. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't care about my feelings. I love that kind of situation. (laughs) You know, so... uh, (laughs) Yeah, I know that's a big part of many like many artists that people tend to enjoy. You, you know, so it's like what you said is true. The artists tend to be doing very different things from from the market. But um, I guess I mean you 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 learn, you grow. I'm enjoying the growth moment, though. It's it's nice trying new things and um, growing. Cool. Besides that. I just started a Pilates class on Ooh. Zoom. Oh, nice. I know. It's been pretty baller. Um, it happens three times a week. And she's pretty good. So that's a new kind of challenge. But I've been enjoying that too. Oh, you so. didn't want to share with us that's... to Pilates with you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> I didn't even think about it. I can't. Is it thirty in the morning in Lagos? Oh, so middle of the All night right. for you. <laughs> is it? Is she in Lagos? The person. Yeah, yeah. I is. see. 
Lagos. But she's really good and um and she's patient and she's you know, changes it up. So I like I like the class. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So that's been that's what I've been doing. Painting and Pilates in Pilating. I don't know. There's more twenty two twelve coming. Stay tuned. You better stay tuned. I swear to God. Mm, well, good. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like everyone's life is thank going well. Thank God. Thank God for life, as this kid says. To survive 2020 is the only goal. That Look, is everything else is supposed to go. Reach the end of 2020. Reference a bit, like I think the first mention was around like mid December, but um, or first mentioned in like US media, but it wasn't, it was still kind of something that was just like, oh, like it's over there and it's just like, yeah, not, not that much of a threat. Yeah, no one, it was not at the forefront. That's you know, what even I mean. till, like, that's what I mean. Mid, that mid, mid February, yeah. when they when you know that happened, honestly, like I didn't even process it as a thing that could leave there, like, I. I didn't really mm. think about it as like, oh, this is like a virus, like the flu or something like that has spread. And we just went to the Ebola like two years ago, so you kind of felt like, yeah, there's some crazy stuff that happens in so far. Away. Yeah, maybe you that's thing exactly. So I thought, oh, it, it, like, oh, this is a problem that place is having, like, and and then you slowly watch the it's watching spread across the map. I didn't even know, okay. like, I, I didn't even know about the spreading in, like, you know, my last few weeks in 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 Seattle were consumed by lots of activity. So it wasn't until weeks later, like a week or two later, that we started to then really get, like, oh, you know, the virus has spread. Oh, the Chinese mm. media, you know, mm. like with the. Like things are shutting yeah. down, airports are closed, people are not going exactly. out. Exactly, things are shutting yeah. down. You know, like virus has spread, blah blah blah. And we, Tiny. you know, I was just like, oh my god. Then I was like, why hasn't everything everywhere like just? Why haven't we paused to assess? That's that was my <laughs> my my. Still, I was just gonna be like, you know, shut everything, like just hold everything. And then mm. let's figure out what you know, like what to do. And the truth is actually that if they had done that, it, it's possible that they could have limited the spread. You know, of course, it's it's difficult to shut down the whole world if you don't know the extent to which the thing can mm-hmm. affect everyone. Um, but um, yeah, I think you know it, it was just crazy. Uh, and I, I guess we've segued right into our. You know, one of the topics we wanted to discuss, which was. But before we do that, my favorite, my current or my all time favorite COVID related piece of media is that picture you sent of, of Daddy on the subway in New York with his face bald. <laughs> <laughs> As his form of COVID protection. And I was like, oh my wow. God. Yeah. To be extreme. Like, yeah. Daddy. Hilarious. Extreme. 
so, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, then, yeah, the time Daddy came was when it started ramping up. It was just like those, those yeah. two weeks were like the kind of oh crap moment that yeah, we all had yeah. collectively. The world actually had collectively. So. Yeah, because after he got back here, is when they shut the airport and stuff, mm. like maybe a week yeah. or something after. Yeah. We were worried that he, you know, like what would they, what would happen. He was just praying that you know nothing was shut down before he he got to leave. Exactly. And um, yeah, you know, I, speaking of, oh, yeah, I went to this African restaurant with my friend just uh, um, on uh, Thursday or so, and they they sprayed they sprayed. I I I'm guessing that kind of concoction in my hand before I entered and then man was like pointing frantically at some gloves and then <laughs> so you just spray you you wear you get and then you wear the gloves and yeah of, of course you can't stay you just you know like grab yeah, food and pick then up your stuff. you leave I just thought it was funny mm. you know, the zeal with which he pointed to the gloves like I forgot they're not joking at least where I've been like if when I go to the mall, which is pretty much the only place I go to because that's where the grocery store is, they spray you when like they don't, they used to give you this little coin for like parking. Mm. They scrap that. They don't do parking passes anymore. They just check to see that there's nothing in your car and they let you in. At the door they have a little stand where they sell masks outside if you don't have. And then they have the security people who check your temperature and then they give you wow. hand sanitizer. Mm. And then when you get to the grocery store they take your temperature again. And then they give you hand sanitizer. Like Africans are not joking, though. They're everywhere I've gone. They like from outside. They're just like, let's check your body temperature. When I went to do my nails the other day with mommy, when they just opened the salon, they checked at the gate. The security guys checked the temperature before they even opened the gate for the car. Mm. <laughs> like, wow. People are not just here joking. They redid their whole establishment. So instead of like a door with handles, they now have an automatic door that just really. Opened. They took a. They took away a bunch of like where a bunch of surfaces, but they used to have like this juice bar. They took that down. They took down the front desk, so it's just one desk with the computer, so you can't stand and touch anything. The sanitizer there. Everybody was wearing a mask. Everybody was wearing a face shield. Mm. Everybody, like not just the people doing the services, the management, everybody. That was, was good, like, sure. Mm, so. At least yeah, it was yeah. Of course, it was all branded because you know Africans are about the life. <laughs> Everything was branded and matching. I was like, oh. And, yeah. Yeah. And then if that wasn't enough, then kind of June uh, brought a racial <laughs> record, or I guess oh, uh, awakening to, mm. to add to an extremely, extremely heavy. Uh, and overview. Uh, overview. Yeah. Yeah. Awakening. Yeah. I'm going to say yeah. like we... Oh, the, the, this, this uh, I guess if we just put it in perspective, this awakening, this reckoning, whatever, it has been happening every, ever mm-hmm. so often. But, mm. but one, it was just, you know, like mainly, mainly the people affected, um, you know, trying to ignite something and, um, mm. you, you know, being not ignored. Ha- yeah, them being ignored, exactly. Mm. Not having the space and time to even continue, you know, like everyone had, had to be somewhere or the, you know, be in school or mm. like something. So, um, but it has been happening. It just hasn't, uh, like, 
it hadn't attracted the mass of people that needed to be um part of mm. it, you know. Yeah. For for yeah. a while. So um so I think the the difference here is like managing to catch the attention of people and for them having no other place, you know, aside they from have COVID, time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To turn their yeah. attention to. And with COVID they've been here, you know, all the stats, like they've been hearing them. I was going to yeah, I was going to just I, I was going to ask you guys like I'm sure there's been at least some kind of awareness of the you know the issues of like black people in America, black people around the world. But in this like new moment, what has kind of hit you guys that's been new or re you know you've created a new understanding of certain things of, for, or have you like just kind of what has has come off? Yeah, for me, I think. Um... Again, like I don't think anything is is new. Uh, none of the things are new, but I think one thing is that people's um, as a society, our memories are longer and more vivid. Like longer in that we we say we we have all these reference points. We say we know that okay, black people were complaining about this in nineteen in nineteen in the sixties, and same like the same thing is still happening to a to a lesser extent and in different forms. But it's still the disenfranchisement is still happening. Mm-hmm. Also, people of our age, um, like, I guess with more vivid memories, we have, like, people of our age remember with, um, you know, the protests from Trayvon Martin and from um, Eric Garner, from Michael Ferguson, with, you know, Philando Castillo, mm-hmm. all these people. And then after, in, in the aftermath of all those, there were people, people were always, like, kind of like, oh, you know, it's okay to be mad, but don't, you know, but don't do this. Don't destroy your um, own, don't burn down buildings. Don't, you know, do this. Mm. But I think a lot lots of people are like, okay, we did everything you said we should do, and then it's still happening. So with the police reform, with even with all the body cams, it's still happening. Even with all the, mm. all the like, BS images of, you know, some in the past have put some police le- uh, kneeling along with, and some people saying, oh, we hear you, like, um, you know, we stand together, like, all that, you know, nonsense. People have a, a more vivid memory, and they're like, okay, like, none of that works, you know, so why, how how long can you, you know, ask us to, I'll ask people to, you know, just stand by and watch mm. their, their own people be, be killed and, you know, disenfranchised in, in many ways. So it's just that uh, people are, are just, whereas, let's, let's say this took place in the 70s, you wouldn't be able to be, like have like on demand memory of like you know or outsource your memory to like a YouTube video and say okay wasn't this what happened like six years ago and then we the, we kind of mm. the kind of all faded from memory and also with like Colin Kaepernick you know um, kneeling um, peacefully people and then then you know blackballing from the league they're like okay there's really no way that yeah that there's really no right way to you, for people yeah. to protest and. So everyone is kind of like, no way, no, no way. This is BS. Like you know, we we can't just keep letting this slide. So I think everyone, and also like you know, a lot of that's the thing. A lot of white young white people are, trying, are starting to recognize this. They're like, wait, uh, uh, like even for them, they're like, uh, how can this be? Like you know, that you know, you are telling them to do do this back then, and then then you move the goalposts and then you move them back and then you just, because it's all just the nonsense things that black Americans have realized for a long time, but coming into yeah. the collective consciousness. So that's the one thing I think is different. Nothing is new about the actual um, 
you know, in, in like in discretion of what people are suffering, but yeah, just the way it's being recognized and um, I, and, and internalized is new. So I think uh, that's that's what I would say. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. No, yeah, I, I completely agree with with what you said, but I think like it is, um, you know. Like now, there's in, like balance said, there's enough memory to say, okay, no. First, you said here, you said there, you said that, you said this. I don't care because I've tried all the things you said. Now let's do it my way. Let's uh, let's try my way yeah. and let's see if that works. So there's there's that sense. But I think that um, in addition to that, what would, I would say is like we know we collectively know a lot more about like. Uh, about the systems that have been put in place to like subjugate black people so exactly um, yeah. things like you know we talk about like mass incarceration like when i first moved here you know we, we first moved here like 20 years ago we didn't understand at least we didn't understand about mass incarceration and i think the average black person who was being incarcerated did not understand it but so many things have yeah. have happened since then to say no, look, they, this is an operation where companies, political, um, you know, people, like people are profiting from the, these institutions. Like, and the mm-hmm. private, like, prisons being private is, is a conflict of interest. In is not, is not, it is conflicting directly with justice. Like, you, you know, mm-hmm. so let's ex- re examine a system like that that is set up and and is um, disproportionately like impacting these communities, you know. So and and something that has made mm-hmm. that clear is as simple as like marijuana legalization. Like people are recognizing that all the you know, like maybe the average white person knew that. Yeah, I have friends who smoke weed, but you know, they must have thought mm-hmm. like, well, maybe black people do. I don't know what they what yeah, they yeah. thought. Yeah. But now all those yeah. things have been there's data to back up that this is not true, but yet you are seeing all these people incarcerated for, you know, for these types of, of crimes. Mm-hmm. Same thing that you would see, you know, um, similar, you know, similar numbers of white people are probably doing. Like, how do you explain this? Then there's like, so, you know, in parallel, in another situation, the issue of housing, like people have been talking about redlining a lot. You know, maybe the average, like, educated black person knew sort of about redlining i didn't know about it till like i want to say you know three three or four years three maybe three years ago which is crazy because this is like organized making sure people don't get loans making sure people can't get housing in certain areas you know can't like make their wealth stretch yeah so even if they had made some money not being able to like build wealth in the form of real estate, in the form of land, because because of these like mm-hmm. weird practices. So there's there's you know now there's mass incarceration and housing. There's um, actively stopping people from voting or disrupting the votes, even though you know um, mm-hmm. you know people you know in areas where you know people are less likely to have like formal identification because where are they going? Yeah, you, know, you require some type of thing that they you know they won't have. So there's like, like, we have 
seeing all of these things, there are these studies about job discrimination and people with this type of name. You know, there's the data in the last 10 yeah. years saying you, you know, you may not know it, but you are actively discriminating against this, this, yeah. these sets of people. And then there's like outright racism, which has been like brought to the fore. Like people are like, oh, America is post-racial or whatever they might say. And mm. then you actually have like Charlotte happen in the last, you know, two years or three years. And people mm. are like, okay, maybe, you know, <laughs> and then they're just more emboldened people, more, um, you can, you got, you know, you can tell. Um, that there is clear racism in America. Like, people are not feeling mm. the need to necessarily be politically correct all the time. And so, um, there's that. And then, uh, layered on top of it, I think, is the actual police brutality that you're seeing. And initially, when we were seeing police brutality, the way the media was reporting it, even in, in, in you know, 1999, when we moved, was a black man was seen. A black man was a black um you know killer or whatever versus a suspect you know and they've changed that language Mm -hmm. over the years which i think must have helped but also um they were initially like reporting you know just the the scariest things about the person and people would justify you know in their minds well that person deserved to die. They stole something. That person deserved to die. They shouted back yeah. at the cops. And so putting that in context and then showing something like, you know, like a child like Trayvon Martin, like be killed by some random, mm-hmm. you know, uh, because he was... And, and thank God he was buying Skittles because that made him seem like a child. Like he, you know, mm-hmm. like just... Things like that. Like, if, if he was buying a bottle of rum, they would have made him, you know, they would have made <laughs> but him. But they, they still, else. that's the thing, they still kind of did. It's, even then, they, I mean, I think America's wokeness has been kind of exponential. Even actually, let me not even say wokeness, let me, but like the the willingness of people to acknowledge the kind of the false narratives that have been pushed has kind of grown exponentially in the last. Um, you know, five to six years, because I don't remember people kind of, I don't remember any of any, like, white people, like, caping for Trayvon Martin. They were, people were kind of saying, mm. oh, like, why were you, you know, why did he fight the, yeah, yeah. the guy? Or why was he, you know, people were just kind of making all these excuses, you know. And, true, um, true. And yeah. I, I am not saying, like, at the time, immediately, that people were like, oh, even now, people are still like, oh, all these people. No, I uh, don't, you know, if you're just doing the right thing, then all this stuff won't happen to you. Like, there's definitely yeah. people who still have that mindset. But I'm just saying, like, you know, collectively, like, you start to... Like, like it's basically, you know, the fabric is starting to fray. Like, you... you yeah. People may hold on uh-huh. to that, but, but the, you know, they really can't, if they're honest with themselves, hold on to it as strongly as they mm. did before because they're like, okay, but there's another one that's... They are an outright 12-year-old child, you know, like yeah. if that child has a has even had a gun like you should be there's something you can do to resolve like you know it's hard to see that mm-hmm. that as a um like okay just killing the child is the solution because you know police or officers yeah. want to direct so so there's my point i guess in listing all of these things is like there's there there have been the calls for attention and there have been all these things that you know leaders actually i'm 
you know, last week or whichever week, I've been watching a few videos about, like, you know, the older, um, like, some Malcolm X videos, some Martin Luther King videos, some um, Louis Farrakhan videos, and they are saying all of these things exactly. Like, they already said every single thing this way. They already said, this is how, you know, we can win justice. Like, they, they already had this view, but it's so weird that even if I had listened to them before, like I couldn't see it as clearly as I can see it now. Mm. And so I, I can only imagine like for some other people, they just, and maybe because I'm black, I can see it more clearly now. So maybe it will still take some, some people who are not black a lot more time to understand the message. But um, the point is like, you can see in each facet, how the system is, is stacked, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and, uh-huh. Thinking about like on top, you know, like the the police is 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 one um, way in in which that that whole thing manifests itself, um, uh, like brutally, and, and it ends in death for for you know too mm-hmm. many people, right? So it's one way where we can say, okay, just stop and let's let's fix this, and then you know see if we can figure it out in other places where the um impact is seems slower you know it doesn't end in death but it's still just as detrimental um yeah so that that's what i think is going on is like we just have a lot more understanding um uh, you know everyone has a a lot more understanding and uh a lot less willingness to try you know because you can see all these places where (laughs) it has been designed in a way that is not supposed to work for black people. So um, recognizing that, it's yeah. Like, yeah, we have no option but to change this, right? We, we don't have, uh, you know, it has to change. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you guys are, you guys are right. I mean, it's, um, what has been most interesting for me anyway has been the kind of metaphysical part of it. Yesterday, I watched this documentary called Skin on Netflix, which you guys should watch if you have the time. It's done by this um, it's a Nigerian actress, but she's just kind of exploring the net, like what light skin, dark skin, does it matter, does it not mm. matter? Why does it matter to some people and why not? And most of the people, people who are born, like people she interviewed that were born with light skin, are just like, yeah, people just project a bunch of stuff on you, but it doesn't make you, like you're just a human being, right? Yeah. Um, people who are born with dark skin, darker skin, talk about this journey. Some of them are on this journey to like learning self-acceptance, but it comes from a place of you are not, you are not good. Whatever this is, is not good, mm-hmm. right? So you have to, you either have to overcome that, or you do something to make it different. Which is, she also went into like bleaching cream and a bunch of other stuff. But this scene in this thing caught me because she was talking to this woman who makes creams, like they apparently the Nigerian culture for women to make different like mix different kinds of creams some of them to lighten their skin some of them to tone their skin mm. so many women she interviewed the women were just like oh that their skin is not beautiful so they need beautiful skin otherwise they would never you know have children get married be attracted you mm. know attractive to people that was kind of a baseline um, but there was this one woman who caught my attention that she she makes the cream. So they were talking about what she puts in them and what, how she learned how to do it. And she says, you know, she was young. A lady who used to do it taught her 
and that's kind of how she started her own practice in a few years mm-hmm. later. But then as she's saying it, she has face got really sad, right? Because she said, oh, you know, that it's fine, you know, you just use it to be fine, whatever. And then Beverly, the actress who's interviewing these people, she says, are you sad? And she says, no. And then she says, would you go back to your original skin color if you could? And she just, you know, and I don't know, maybe you have to be Nigerian to know this, but there's this face in Nigerians make when they're really, like, what they almost want to cry, but they don't want to show you that they want to cry. So they start, like, putting their shoulders up a bit. Yeah. Kind of like, mine, like, you know, mine, but not really. Like, she's, her face is looking away and she's just doing what she's doing with mm-hmm. her hands. And then she starts crying, mm. right? But she never she never articulates what she's crying about. Like, the girl asks her, what's the matter? And she just kind of moves her shoulders and she doesn't say anything. Yeah. And it, in that moment, she just kind of felt like she was, like, we, we, we the world, had given her no choice. Yeah. But yeah. what she was. Yeah. And she didn't, she didn't know how to articulate that. She did not like that, Right. Like it was just it was too heavy for her to come and start talking about hey, I don't like it because because this is the world she has to live in. Right? Yeah, she has yeah. to exist in this world where she's selling cream and the people are looking at her skin and that's how she gets recommendations for more skin sales and all this other stuff. Like it's yeah. it's deep rooted. And and so watching that sorry, what are you going to do? I was also gonna say and it doesn't matter even if she admits Yeah, it. like nobody cares. Exactly. Nobody cares. Right about them. In that westernization is an exploitation, but a lot of no, spiritual no. like traditions that's what of I'm... many cultures is a struggle of light and dark. Right? It's a struggle of yeah, light but... and dark, but the ascribing of people's complexion Skin to light tone, and dark uh... is is a the only other place I can think of, and I don't know much about it here, is India, where they had a system that exploited people's um uh, like color for their you know to indicate where they were from and and i think that has to do with like sun exposure um like you know the more you're in the sun the darker your skin is going to be and maybe if you are in the sun Mm. you're doing more like hard labor sorts of things yeah that exists in china too and a lot in in east asia east and southeast asian cultures as well so that's what that's Mm. indicative of but those people who were pre-colonial, who, who, who had no reference point to anyone having skin other than dark skin, still, you know, um, didn't kind of see it as a dirtiness or, you know, or a wretchedness in themselves. I think the, the light to dark thing um, is more or less kind of, is, is an introduction and a product of, of colonialism so, and, um, you know, West and, and Western, Western culture to me. Is what I would say. Um, I get what you mean. I don't. I'm not disagreeing with you. I was just. I'm just saying that it, for me, the research that I've been doing is just mm-hmm. kind of understanding human beings and their relationship to light and dark, right? And how that, to me, right, in my own perception, kind of it's it gave rise to the ability for exploitation. You know, e- exclusively by you know. Western Western cultures, but ex- that's kind of you know it's like they saw the ball and they ran with that. They ran with it because it continued to work in their favor. Well, so I totally like I I don't disagree with that. It's just that kind of what has had piqued my interest because you know the not liking of a certain human being by another human being can be said to have been have existed all through time, right? Yeah. Making it an institution 
creating institutions that marginalize a series of people. Like, it's the same thing, like our economy in Nigeria, for example, a lot of it doesn't function because we don't, you know, it wasn't created to meet our needs. If you look, like, at the UK or whatever, a lot of the economy was created to meet at least the specific needs of people who had money to buy things, right? So, at the very least, they were creating for some of the people in their, in their whatever. The people that our current economy was created for don't, largely don't live here anymore, right? Yeah. They ran trains to the places that built things, the places that electricity used, like, was built to run through. All of that had nothing to do with the way the people who live here live. So then handing it over for them to run and figure out how to use is almost like, you know, it's, it's why there's such a struggle to figure out how to use it because so many people are just, and it still has to function in the context of their forex markets and their whatever markets because if you don't exist in those worlds, you don't exist in the world economy, right? So it's just kind of like giving you a news to hang yourself with. I, so it's... Go ahead. Go on. No, no, I, I was going to say... um. I mean, while I think I definitely agree that the system that's been that was you know, the world economic or um, political system is is created to serve Western powers and also the the, um, the prescription of you know a Westernized Western type d- democracy is, it does not work. And but I will say a large part mm-hmm. of why I believe um, I believe. Uh, like um, Western like African countries have struggled. It's just because there's a kind of like, like a maturation process, and you know, a lot of like a lot of um, you know Europe was living in in squalor, you know, for for a long time before they kind of got into state building and became were able to become one nation. But one thing I think I hope you know this kind of awakening that that's coming out that's happening in in America and hope and across um, Europe as well for black people is I hope it becomes a I kind of like an outright and complete rejection of of Western supremacy in any form, you know, politically, economically, thinking their way is better. We just have to do their their thing as well as them to, in order to strive. Because that that has always been at the back of, you know, that's always been an undercurrent in all attempts at at achieving a functioning society for for majority black nations. I, yeah, so yeah. I think that's one thing, you know, for for black um, it's black people, it's always been this kind of you know searching for approve for approval of of um, white of, of Western white and Western uh, power. So I hope that's one thing that this brings along. It's just kind of like acceptance that okay, first of all, this whole thing, this whole idea that they're superior is a complete nonsense. There's absolutely no truth to it. It's, yeah. it's a it was it's in the same way that I could flip a coin, you know, I could roll a dice and one I might get one or I might get three. The same chance we had of the same reason is the, perhaps we got a one. That's why, you know, Western powers came to be the powers that they could have. But if we got a three, we could have been the ones that were in power. So there's absolutely nothing inherently superior about them. And and that yeah. um and then first of all and then also Second of all, no matter what we do, if they don't, nothing we can do ourselves is going to make them accept us, you know, is, which mm-hmm. is 
if they come out along on that journey, fine. If not, that's fine as well. But nothing that we do is going to accept, is going to um, you know make give them uh, or make them assign us like the humanity that we deserve. And you shouldn't go seeking from you shouldn't go seeking that. And you should be forceful about you know asking yourself and those around you to not go seeking hum, uh, humanity yeah. from someone else. So I think. Yeah, I think we need to be, you know, we've been thinking for ourselves for mean, quite some time, I think. And I think we need to become more forceful, I think, about, you know, just being like, okay, I'll also, do what I, I will for you. Is, I don't think it's exclusively trying to get their approval. I mean, I'm sure that part of it is in there, but I think there's also a big part of it that is fear of not being... Like, for example, I was watching this Nollywood movie the other day, or yesterday, and this guy, you know, he's um, a police officer and he's bungled up a job and he's about to get fired and his partner is trying to get him to do something and he says do you want to get fired? Says no. He says do you want to go back to your village? And he said God forbid. Right? <laughs> so I think that a lot of people in like because it's almost like at least some at least you know we have something. There's it's a terrible mentality I, I agree with you but I, I'm just trying to say that it's not necessarily trying to win the approval it's just kind of like at least we're included in this version, right? Maybe in another version, we are all just not included, which is, I think, is a real fear, a real insecurity that um, uh, you're right. We have to get over. But I'm not sure. I think it's also, just wait. I, I'm not sure. It's just like a, an insecurity. I think if we if we go to like a meta, like a really large scale. In order, like you said, in order yeah. to participate in the way the world has set itself up a certain way, and they made all the rules before, you know, brown that nations got a lot of power, right? Uh, and we yeah. still don't have a lot of power. So, participating in the World Bank or IMF, those systems are not designed to like to really, really help yeah. Africa, but. In order to like, you know, the way that the world has sort of set itself up and how people advance and, you know, do all these things, it requires like all these interactions between different countries and they get mm. to decide who plays. You know, it's like the the popular kids get to say who sits at their table. Yeah. And you're like, if I'm going to like, you know, if I want to be popular at this school, meaning I want to get some money, uh, you know, like, <laughs> like the, the weighing of like, hmm, do I like, upend the popular kids table and then everybody is like starting from scratch or how do I or do I try to get at the table and figure out how to how to yeah. take them down that way like is is so participating like the decision to participate and figure out how you move yourself forward um it almost means you have to sort of you think about playing by their rules like it takes like some strength and some uh understanding of what the alternate system should look like and should be and having some mm-hmm. partners work with you in that um and which may mean alienating some places like you know that may be why mm-hmm. some countries that we think are uh you know that we think like what are they doing and why are they doing it they may just be trying to do it, do it mm-hmm. the way that they think is going to work it for their system but they are enemy number one you know of of these Western yeah. powers, right? And so it's not an easy road to go down, you know. Sanctions get involved, like, like it's not, mm-hmm. it's not a thing where it just gets you sort of out of where you, you, um, you know, the issue that you have now, which is really like feeding your people and making sure that you know, basic, getting the basic necessities. So, 
the other part is like I think we don't have or we haven't really had the, the visionary leaders or you know to really to think about this and figure out that plan that is going to be helpful and and having yeah. the long term plan that is like okay you know this is how we get Africa or you know any African country or any brown nation this is how we get from here to where we want to be the second point yeah. that I would like to make is that yes we we are you know we might now be aware that w- the western methods are not exact you know they are not superior to any other method and like true you know democracy is good and so it's not good and you know that yeah. so it's not it's not like a perfect system you know capitalism is good until it is abused and it's not you know like there's just there isn't a perfect mm-hmm. system so work with something that makes sense for you and try to tweak it but what we also don't have um or, or what we also are struggling with is um we are a little or a lot disconnected from what we would have been right and i don't know how mm. you know okay there's an example that comes to my mind because i just think it illustrates the disconnection there's like um you know how people <clears throat> how like in um Ebook culture, at least in movies, they always show like the, the you know like the chiefs or the like um, priest or you know the chiefs are yeah, wearing this hat, and it's like a woolen hat, right? Mm-hmm. It's like a Western woolen, woolen hat. I don't know mm-hmm. like what that hat signifies, but um, I always wonder about that. That why is why why is part of the traditional dress that woolen mm-hmm. hat? Uh, and mm. that you know like it so i only say that example to say that some I, in some cases we may not even like n- know the things that have seeped into our culture that are not actually um mm. part of what we were doing traditionally like why you know like even this light skin dark skin thing like how like how did we come to think of that and so it is is almost like impossible to return to a way that hasn't been influenced right you you just you know so the new system then is going to be it it, it has to evolve from something like just from now and it it may contain things that are westernized because mm. we just it's just how to separate those things you know what i mean yeah and also, i mean it has to include things that are westernized if it doesn't include things that are westernized then people like us are lost right because People who don't understand Western culture don't understand people like us, right? Right, and yeah. So, I'm, like, I am, I'm agreeing with you that there is a necessity to acknowledge the Western, like, the Western cultures because many of us have been living in generations now. You know what I mean? Like, we are part of whatever that Western history is, as painful as it is for everybody to admit. And it's painful for us, and it should be painful for them. But... I think part of what needs to happen is an acknowledgement of our participation. Because if we don't acknowledge it, acknowledge people like us who are very much a product of that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, right. So um, my point is that, yes, we should, we should examine, how, you know, like, again, make sure the systems are built for the people who need to use it, right? So... Uh, Mm. yeah so so maybe reimagine don't don't be afraid to reimagine things but also don't um you know sort of think of this idea of a pure or you know there's no such thing right the whole world influences the whole world and let's figure out the things that are 
you know we, we have as much rights to anything as anyone else has like we can use whatever yeah. we like to build our systems yeah so yeah if we shouldn't even yeah. ascribe it as try Western, things right and see what works. yeah try whatever you like yeah. and and whatever we want to do we you know we we can because there's also this thing of like who knows how many historical things have been stolen and and you know made to seem like it is something a western construct when yeah. you know it actually originated mm. with other people um so yeah mm. I, I, you know i think um yeah, I'm just saying that. I agree. And I think that's what this moment means for at least the people who can who can kind of interpret it, who understand what is happening or they can identify with it. I think especially Africans on the continent, because you, you know, we might not necessarily be doing the whole going out and um, having rallies and things like that and like protesting. But I think it's also a point where, you know, people who are building businesses or who will run for political office or who at some very least the people who are running the countries now will die and some of us will have to figure out how to take over what exists and it opens your mind to what is possible like you said maybe it's more than just western regurgitated democracy maybe there's some other kind of thing that we can start to figure out what you know try new things yeah so I think at, at best that's maybe what, or that's what I see many people on the continent are actually mm. trying to do, like you know, figure out different ways where uh, maybe you were building it that was exclusively for like the Silicon Valley type people to pay attention to. So you were building something that looked uh, like Uber, but it wasn't Uber. Now you might really focus on building something that is Africa focused. Yeah, like, that's the that's the thing. I think it's very um is important. Again, is is not seeking the approval of of you know of western powers because that is just a recipe because with the best example i can think of um and the the only country actually or the only countries in the that have really come on in you know to be to close the gap on western powers in in the last you know 50 years are china and and japan so and those are two countries who were um never colonized and so perhaps that mm-hmm. that colonization this is reading into it a little but perhaps that colonization didn't get didn't um that lack of colonization means they don't see the western powers as you know as so de facto you know so and, and china yeah. hasn't been afraid to you know to play hardball and just say we're going to do things our own way you know so i think that mm. is um and both of them do up, and Japan especially do operate in you know the world economic system, but they haven't you know just completely submitted and just said okay what you what you how you all do it is, is better you know so is mm-hmm. I think that that's an example. It just has to be just you say okay we're well, going to do what we want to do and what's best for us without consideration of you know if whether or not you know I know Mark Zuckerberg came to Lagos a while ago, but people should be like you know. Well, I, I don't care what he thinks of my company. If he wants to, you know, invest mm-hmm. or whatever, but maybe that would be cool. But is you know, a picture with Mark Zuckerberg does nothing for me or my or what mm. I'm going to do with my my company. So yeah, yeah. that is um yeah. you know also same thing with like you know also just like like with uh, commerce in, within Lagos. You know, perhaps there are some. Yeah, I was saying that it's part of what you were saying about like maturation, right? The whole like 
spending all your energy versus oh, I'm Western influenced and I'm Western trained or you can count on me to execute whatever long-term Western influence plan is in yeah. place. Um, and now at least be identified as a waste of time. If yeah, else. exactly. Um, and maybe like you said, that's part of the maturation process. It's like you have to grow out of that. Like you, at some point, you just can't care what they think. <laughs> like you just have to move on and do do your mm-hmm. own thing and move to their interest. But then, I mean, we say this all, and it's nice to say, but they are also, yeah. it has to be said, quite active in the background, manipulating the. You know, yeah, manipulating yeah. the the variables to their to their own um, benefits, and that is the I think that is the truest the truest problem is that you are not actually leaving them to mature. You don't want this thing to mature because it doesn't yeah. suit. So you are actively showing up. So maybe now with the COVID, people are not showing up quite as avidly. Who knows? I don't know. But that's yeah. part of. The, Right, it's like you know, you you keep sabotaging our growth process. Mm-hmm. You won't leave us alone. You keep messing with the systems that we keep trying to build, and you are actively sabotaging things that we that we want to try. And at some point, uh, I don't know how we're ever going to address that. But yeah, I that think that's where this you know leadership comes in. If we take the other civilizations, the other um. Uh, countries that you mentioned, Japan and China, and say, okay, what what have they done to be at least to make sure that they are proficient in, you know, they're able to provide for themselves and like education mm. is a big thing, right? Mm. In in you know making sure that their people are okay, and so it, it's they've had to have a vision for how people get educated and sufficiently educated, you know, like. When, Educated for jobs that they provide them, like that, you know, they make sure that when the, whatever they are teaching leads them to a career that they can actually live on. You know what I mean? If they're building a tech-based economy. Yes. Right. Hello? Yeah, I think Bukhi uh, is cut off for a bit. But yes, exactly. So, so for an economy that they are building, like for the jobs that they want, want to provide you know making sure that the workforce can can um you know that they are sufficiently trained to work in that uh, in those environments and i think that we need long-range planning like that we want someone to think yeah yeah in 200 years or, or a group of people it can't be like one leader but we need leadership as a whole to be aligned on the goal for africa or for for Nigeria, even for their states, whatever it is, in yeah. in two hundred years or whatever two hundred years, I would like this to happen. It may not happen exactly like that, but they yeah. and they, it starts with you know they need to put in place something for education, something for. So the thing that I think that has been a bit clearer for me is just this, especially living on the continent, understanding that this thing right, the racism, all of that, some of it you can even, like, write off as human nature, so humans are scared of things they don't know, there's xenophobia, you know, some Africans don't like other Africans because they are from somewhere else and blah, 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 but there's this light to dark thing that has created so much of what we consider, like, our world systems, right, is, is 
it's it's so deeply rooted. Like so many people genuinely feel like lighter skin is better skin. Yeah. Like you are a better creation of God mm-hmm. because you are closer to light, right? And darker skin means that you are you are closer to some kind of weird darkness or you are, you know some kind of you know they attribute to voodoo and dark magic and all this other nonsense. So like the and the subtlety that we have to deal with here is that there is no white black dichotomy for you to see it clearly. Yeah, it's just there. It's just like a psychological bind that everybody is living in, mm-hmm. and everybody has the same skin color. So you can't even figure out who to. You know what I mean? Like light skinned people are. Some people are discriminating against them because they're like, "Yeah, hey, you you get everything that you want because you look a certain way, even if they don't, right?" Dark skinned people always feel like they're not good enough for whatever reason. This and just kind of working through the intricacies of like the human relationship to whatever this thing is, right? This light, dark, I don't, I, I don't know what it is, but that's what I've been spending my time kind of like trying to figure out. Go first then. <laughs> well, it was finally, let's do it again soon. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to the next time as well. Yay, me too. All right, guys. We'll sign out. Bye. 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 Twenty Two Twelve is hosted by siblings Tokwe, Buki, and Gwalanho Animasha. Music by Tony the Emperor. Produced by Anne Thomas Media.